Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa, and you're listening to season four of The Females a podcast that deep dives into the world of women, work, and what it takes to build a successful and fulfilling career on your terms. This season, we're exploring the theme of courage, from the traditional definition to the new and unexpected ways that courage shows up in our own lives. Today's interview is with Erin Claire Jones, a human design guide and leadership coach who shows leaders what they're made of by offering them a blueprint that explains how they operate so they can perform at the top of their game. Human design can also be an incredibly beneficial tool when you're trying to determine your next career move, either inside your company or looking outside for something totally different. If you geek out on all things personality tests and astrology like me, then you're really going to love learning about human design. Plus, you can figure out your human design type for free by filling out a quick form that I've included in the show notes. And Erin Claire is also giving all the listeners a limited time discount on her blueprint that goes with the free human design type. We'll talk more about that in the show. And now this is The Females. Well, hi, Erin Claire. Welcome to The Females. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'd love to start with you briefly giving us your background and how you came to be a human design guide and leadership coach. Absolutely. I began my career working at a lot of startups and basically, you know, had an experience where I was working at all these amazing companies, but was sort of working with amazing people, but observed a lot of dysfunctionality in the people that I worked with. It felt like people just didn't understand each other. They didn't know how to work together. And so I was experiencing a little bit of frustration there. And and then I think simultaneously, I've just always been on a path of personal growth. You know, I was finding meditation centers in Seattle when I grew up and I've just always been seeking in that way. And so I was kind of cultivating all these different modalities on the side. And I think I discovered human design in 2015. And I remember sitting at a party in New York City and this guy looked at my human design. And I just like remember such a sense of relief with all the things that he was telling me. It felt like he was just like reading me like a book and like all these things that I knew about myself, but I hadn't really like felt permission to step into. And so I think when he really introduced me to the potential of human design, not only on the individual level, but also on the company level and on the partnership level in terms of really just helping people understand themselves and the people around them and how to kind of better function with humans in the world. I just, it was like pretty much all in, in terms of making human design as accessible as possible and bringing it to as many people as I can. So I think that like, it's definitely never something I could have predicted, but I think that the minute I kind of touched the system, I knew that it was something I wanted to help share and spread. Right. It's kind of fascinating how now you look back and all the puzzle pieces make sense. 
I know. It's so weird. It's like, it always is just like, I don't know why I'm doing this. It just feels right. And like, that's part of human design is like learning how to just trust our bodies and get out of our heads. But like, we can't often explain it while we're in it. But then again, we can look back and be like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, okay. So there's a lot of people out there who are probably new to human design. So what exactly does human design mean and how is it different from other tools like manifestation or astrology and, and really where does it come from? So human design is a system based on your exact time, date, and place of birth. And, you know, at its simplest, it basically gives us our energetic DNA. The idea is that we have a, all have a totally unique energetic blueprint. Human design has 2 billion different configurations. And so it basically just helps us understand kind of our own manual and how we're really designed to thrive. And so that goes into, you know, how we're designed to make decisions, communicate, work within teams, and so much more. And it draws from a lot of different systems. So it incorporates pieces from astrology, from quantum physics, from the Kabbalah, the I Ching, the chakra system, it's all kind of like wrapped up into one master system. I think in terms of how it differs from manifestation, you know, I think human design kind of, it actually can shed some light on how we're designed to best manifest and bring things to life, but it is kind of like our unique blueprint, whereas manifestation feels more like kind of a practice. And then astrology, you know, astrology is just a different system. You know, I think that like they offer different levels of information, but I think that there are so many different tools out there. So I definitely encourage people to kind of go towards what resonates. But I think astrology, like human design, like offers super like specific, detailed, super tactical information. And I think what drew me to it is that it was like so practical. You know, I think that like, even though it comes from the stars, which is totally wild that we like (laughs) get so much information from our exact time, date and place of birth, it's actually so grounded in terms of like giving us stuff to do every day to come back into alignment with ourselves. I really like practical. And I don't know if that's just (laughs) because like, it's hard for me to grasp it otherwise. And while I'm a Gemini, so for astrology, like, you know, sometimes you'll meet someone they're like, Oh, you're a Gemini. I'm like, what does that mean? So, um, (laughs) so I like the practical approach. So let's talk about the four types. What are the four types and how do you figure out what your type is? Yeah. So if you want to look up your type now, actually, if you know your exact time, date and place of birth, you can go to erinclairjones.com slash look up Claire with an E, but there are a lot of sites online where you can look up your design. So you basically will enter that information and then get this crazy looking body graph. And so I'll just say it's not supposed to make sense to you. You know, it's helpful to have somebody analyze it and explain it. But at the highest level in human design, there are five different types. So like I said, there are 2 billion different configurations, right? You're not going to mention all 2 billion right now. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) So we have manifesting generators, generators, projectors, manifestors, and reflectors. So the majority of the population are manifesting generators and generators. And these are basically the people that really have the energy and the life force to kind of build and create and bring things to life. And the most important thing for both of these types is that they're really doing work that deeply satisfies them. They're kind of designed to wake up each morning, like with a full tank of energy, use their energy in super satisfying ways, and then crash and wake up recharged. <laughs> the difference between the two is that manifesting generators tend to move very quickly. Um, they tend to thrive when they have their energy in a lot of things at once. And they're really just like designed to kind of multitask, but also be able to pivot from something as soon as they no longer have the energy for something. So some people might see that as scattered, but like for them, like that's actually the most important thing is that like they don't stay in something for too long, which is, you know, just a quick side note is that I think that often we make ourselves wrong for who we are and we make ourselves like wrong for our superpowers and human design is so helpful because it just kind of gives us a language and a framework to understand our uniqueness and like the tools to step into it rather than run away from it. Yeah. And then we have projectors. Projectors are basically people that are here to kind of advise and lead and guide the process 
process. They often make really good coaches or healers or managers or leaders. They don't have that same consistent access to energy as generators and manifesting generators, but they bring a totally different gift to the table. Like their gift is really in understanding people and what makes them tick and really understanding energy. But again, the key thing is that they really step into that gift because if they're brought into a company and expected to operate like a generator, they might not be that good at it. I can speak from experience. I'm a projector. I'm really terrible when I'm expected to operate like a generator. And then we have manifestors. I know you're a manifester. Mm -hmm. And these are basically these very sort of powerful and impactful people that are really here to kind of initiate and get things started. They're really also not here to do all the work themselves, but honestly, like just to get the ball rolling. Often the most important thing for these people is that they have like freedom and autonomy and control. Like these people aren't here to really be told what to do or manage. And so it's really good for them to kind of do things on their own terms and in their own way. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, it definitely does. One of my earlier jobs, I worked 830 to five and at 12 o'clock, if you didn't go to lunch, like someone would come in and be like, are you going to lunch today? And so I just remember like, I hated that. I hated like just the confines of like zero flexibility. And like, I had no purpose. And I was just, I mean, it was a boring job to begin with, but it's interesting you say that because like as an entrepreneur, like I manage my time really well. And so I get told a lot, like I'm very good at getting stuff done and like initiating things. And what I get told a lot is like, well, you just need to be a little bit patient. Things just don't work as quickly as you do. Or like, you know, you get a lot done, but that that doesn't mean everyone works that quickly. So it's really fascinating because like, these are things that I always have been told in like a negative way too. Right. You know, and that's the craziest part is that often we're made wrong for these things. Like manifestors are about 9% of the population. And so they're a minority. And so often they're like caught up trying to operate like generators or manifesting generators and like, don't feel the permission to kind of be as like powerful and initiating and like impactful as they are. Yeah. And so that's why it's so helpful, you know, to kind of find a system like human design that just is like, no, wait, this is your magic. You got to do this and then find people around you that can like support you and respect you and help you actually do it. Right. But also manifest Manifestors, like they are very powerful. So sometimes they can be like a little bit threatening to the people around them because they're just like a little bit like, you know, what is this like powerful force? So <laughs> it is, you know, they can be a little bit polarizing in that way sometimes. And then we have reflectors and reflectors are about 1% of the population. So they're super unique. And these are basically these very magical beings that kind of take in everything in their environment and mirror it back. And so they tend to be really good in companies when they like have the ear of the CEO and can kind of just like evaluate what's going on and like offer their reflections. They tend to just see things that other people miss. These people tend to be very sensitive to their environment. So the most important thing is that they're actually in environments that really feel correct to them. Because like the wild part of reflectors is that their identity is basically shifting all the time. Like over the course of a month, they're going to feel like a manifestor, like a projector, like a manifesting generator. And so they kind of need to just allow themselves to wake up and sort of pay attention to how they're feeling each day and allow it to be different depending on the environment and the people they're with. Wow. I love this. I'm, I'm deep down the rabbit hole of this. I'm into it. Um, (laughs) So you guys, when you take this and find out your chart, it is like kind of crazy looking. Like I'm looking at mine. I have no idea what any of this means other than it tells you your type. So after people look up their design and they get their body graph, how do they really make sense of it? Do they, you know, do they work with someone like you? Is there tools and resources? Like what do you do with this body graph basically? I know it's really crazy looking. I think it's like, I tell people to look up their human design, like when I'm giving a talk at the beginning and then they're like, I'm sorry, what do I do? (laughs) You know, so I think that you do need someone to translate it. There is a lot of information online. I think some of it's a little bit overwhelming because human design is like kind of like an endless 
well of information. There's so much. So I think it's really easiest to kind of work with somebody. There are some good books out there. I, I have an offering that I can talk about at the end, which is like a 30 page blueprint on your design. So the intention of that is to kind of put things in very simple and practical terms. So people like have something that they can just like take immediately and feel like it's really tactical. But yes, you kind of need to start analyzing or just like understanding the key pieces. I will say the most important pieces when you look up your design are your type and your strategy and your inner authority. So if you're going to look at anything, just pay attention to those three. The rest will like come into, you know, be helpful later, but those are the most important pieces to start with. Yeah. What I find interesting too, about like the work that you do is having worked at a company before is that you are able to really apply this to a practical point of view. And I think that's ultimately, we're just trying to connect the dots between this thing that's, you know, bringing in like the stars and some other stuff and and like, okay, I have to talk to my boss today. So tell me what this means in that sense. So how do you make the courageous act to break your conditioning once we figure out what our design is? Because like I was giving my example and I felt like I do feel like oftentimes we're conditioned to sort of be a certain way or society or whatever it is. And then when you find out your type and you're like, no, this is who I am and I want to embrace it. Sometimes that Mm. does require to go against this quote unquote conditioning. Mm -hmm. Totally. So, you know, I think that what's pretty cool about human design is that like, it's not, you know, when I tell a projector, they're a projector, like it doesn't mean they have to operate like one, like they could go out there and try to be like a manifest or like a generator, but often it's just not going to feel as good and they're probably not going to be as successful at it. And so I think what human design does is like, it's not about like giving you all these tools to be like, okay, these are all the things you have to change. You have to become a different person. It's more just like giving people permission to be who they are. And there's often like an extraordinary sense of relief that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And so I think in general, my role is to give like people really empowering stories about themselves and just tools to step into it if they choose to, you know, and I think that in terms of how to decondition, it's really like the small moments, you know, I think that like, for example, I'm a projector and and part of my strategy as a projector is basically wait to be recognized and invited in. And so I think that like in small ways, I'm like, okay, what are the relationships in which I feel the most invited in? What are the work opportunities? And like starting to funnel my energy into those things, you know, or like my decision-making is emotional. I need a lot more time when I make decisions. So like, I think that there are small things that people can practice with in terms of the decisions they're making every single day and how they're choosing to spend their energy that is going to naturally bring them into alignment with their design and with themselves when they start to step into it. Another example of that would be like for generators and manifesting generators, it's all about honoring like what they feel the most lit up by and also like letting go of the things they feel the most drained by. So like at the end of every day being like, okay, what lit me up the most today and what was the most draining? And again, how can I funnel my energy into the things that are the most exciting? And I'll say one other key piece with the deconditioning is that in each of our design, they're kind of open centers. You'll see these white centers when you look your design up. And those are actually the areas in our design where we're the most vulnerable to kind of being taken off track. So once you kind of equip people with what those areas are for them, they can sort of be on the lookout to make sure that like those things aren't guiding their decision-making and just be aware as to make sure they're kind of not getting taken off track in those areas. That's really funny. On my chart, the white area that I have is mostly up by my brain. (laughs) So I don't know what that's saying, but my brain can be taken over now. Right. So (laughs) it means you're like, it's super inspired and might have like a bajillion ideas, but like the shadow of that would be like losing focus, getting scattered, trying to pursue all the things at once. I always tell people, I'm like, look, I'm just trying to stay focused on this. Like I love that idea, but yeah, exactly. It's my hardest, the hardest part for me. So one thing that we get asked a lot at Career Contessa is how do I figure out what I want 
want to do in my career. And I know that they want us to act like, you know, that magic eight ball where you can shake us and we're going to be like, you should be a nurse. You should be a creative designer, whatever it is. It doesn't exist. It doesn't work like that. But I think this is like kind of one of those like close alternatives. So how do the types correspond to the workplace? I know you mentioned like a projector being probably a really great manager versus another type. Mm -hmm. And how do you use this information to actually figure out your next career move? Totally. So I think that one of the key pieces in human design is how we're designed to make decisions. And I think what I love about human design is that, I mean, similar to what you're saying, it's like, I can't tell people what they're supposed to do with their lives, but I can tell them like how to discover for themselves, you know, because like every type is going to have a different strategy and kind of way of assessing what's correct for them. And so the first thing is to kind of equip them with those tools so they can start to assess. And then there are all these aspects of your design that will tell you, like, are you more entrepreneurial? Are you meant to work within a small team, a large team? Is a partnership a good thing for you? So there's so much, like, I want to, like, equip, like, career counselors with this from, like, in college or high school because it's just, like, would help with the learning process and kind of get to a more purposeful career pretty quick. But I think in general, you know, again, I'm oversimplifying here, but I think projectors make really good managers. They're often much better at kind of leading from the outside than they are actually being on the team. They're really good at working with people one-on-one. So they make really good coaches, like I said, healers, consultants in that way. You know, I think generators, like it's hard to totally generalize with them. But again, the most important thing is that they're like super lit up by what they're doing and that they're like able to kind of really master their craft. So that might be like within a team that might be as an entrepreneur doing their own thing. But like whenever I manage generators, it's like really making sure they're like super excited about what they're doing and kind of given the opportunity to really master it. I think with manifesting generators, like they can definitely be leaders and on teams, but they really need freedom and like this ability to kind of do a lot of things at once. I've worked with a lot of manifesting generators that have amazing jobs, but they feel so confined because it's just one thing. Right. And so for them, it's like they need the ability to pursue lots of different inspirations and kind of have people around them that can help kind of do the mundane things so they can just like move quickly and be inspired and like allow their energy to move when it's appropriate. And I think with manifestors, you know, if they're going to work in teams, they often really make like good innovation officers. They're so good at innovating and having new ideas. Or if they're going to work in a corporate setting, they kind of need their own domain to just be like, this is your domain, go off and do your thing and let us know how it goes. But often manifestors work really well you know, for themselves, yeah, just kind of being off doing their own thing, initiating new things and like having people around them to kind of support them and bringing those things to life. Yeah. When I worked at Hulu, I ran the entire university recruiting program, which I'm sure is probably why I loved it. Like I absolutely love working there and I have, you know, nothing but like really good memories of it. And now like it's making sense kind of why, and maybe it wouldn't have been that way had I been not like kind of on this like early stage startup with a lot of freedom to kind of run the program how I wanted. So that's yes. just, again, yes. like connecting all the puzzle pieces. I love it. So applying human design, <laughs> I'm just like, everyone can tell I'm into that this. so good. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I'm hitting the gym, I'm looking for a workout that meets my specific needs that day. When I've had a stressful day, I might want to stretch out and do some soothing yoga. If I have a lot of energy to burn, I might hit the lanes for some swimming laps or something like that. In short, I pick workouts that suit my specific needs. The Financial Gym takes the same approach to your personal finances. Financial Gym is a personal financial services company that takes a fitness-inspired approach to their clients' finances. By working one-on-one with a certified financial trainer, Financial Gym helps clients to make smarter money decisions that lead to long-term success. What I really love about the Financial Gym is that they don't just give general advice. 
Whether I'm looking for career advice or financial advice, I really like it to fit me specifically. By working with your financial coach, you get that personalized advice that you're looking for that's totally tailored to your specific needs. Whether you need help with budgeting, saving your money, investing, or debt repayment, your financial coach has you covered. After meeting with your coach, whether virtually or in person, you will work together on a customized plan to get well on the road to financial success. All of their plans include a one-hour goal-setting meeting with your trainer, meetings to review your financial plan, quarterly check-ins with your trainer, including ongoing access to your trainer as questions or challenges arise. Plus, you get access to the Financial Gym's online spend tracking portal. To get started, schedule a free 20-minute consultation call over at thefinancialgym.com backslash thefemales. On your call, a Financial Gym team member will pair you with your very own certified financial trainer. And make sure to mention the Females Podcast to get 20% off your new monthly gym membership. Work out with the Financial Gym and get into the best financial shape of your life. So applying human design to your team and company can obviously be a game changer. What does it look like when you go into a business and, and what are some of the results? Like I would assume that this is something where managers like could ask their teams to take their, to find out their type. And like, I guess when you work with businesses, how, do, how does this help them? Totally. And I think, you know, obviously because it's based on your exact time, date and place of birth, like some companies are skeptical. And so I think that like I go in there just being like human design, like I'm here to start a meaningful conversation about like yourself and the people around you and how you operate. And human design just kind of gives us that language and a framework to kind of understand ourselves and often makes people feel like far more empowered and autonomous. And so I think in terms of some of the results in companies, one, there's like a much deeper level of empathy and understanding both of yourself and the people that you work with, because I think the greatest challenges are when we expect people to be something different than what they are. And so when you start to understand like, oh, I need to give the manifestors freedom. Like I need to support the projectors in kind of rising to these leadership positions and management positions. Like I need to make sure the generators super care about what they're doing. You know, I I think another piece is really kind of tuning each person in their team into how they uniquely make decisions so they can start to operate in a way that's more natural. For example, some people make decisions on their gut. They know immediately other people need to sleep on things. They need a lot more time. So it just kind of allows people to tune into that natural way of operating. I also just think in general, like I said, it gets people just like a language to kind of get aligned faster because you're basically surfacing all the interpersonal dynamics and giving people a framework to talk about it. And so I think with a lot of co-founders that I've worked with, there used to be tensions that would take like weeks to resolve, but now that they have a language to talk about it, they can like resolve it in a conversation. So rather than kind of like having that impact their work, they're able to focus like, you know, fully on the work and the mission and they're able to kind of address those things as they come. Right. And I think the idea is that, you know, it just kind of, allows people to like be a more fully functional team because people are in the correct places and they're just able to operate in a way that ensures that like they'll be the most successful. Yeah. And I think it, as you said, like it gives them a language to explain like why they are the way they are. My sister works in a company where they do, they want you to give ideas like in a meeting right there, like, you know, Hey, what do you think about X, Y, Z? And she doesn't operate like that. She, she's much better being like, can I have 24 hours to give this some thought, maybe write even write down her thoughts. And then she can, and like, that's what she's most comfortable with. But one of the things she struggles with is that she feels like success in this company is being able to think on the fly. And so it's fascinating yeah. how like that is success to them, but there's nothing wrong with the way she's doing it. And like, here's kind of, it's not like she can't do it that way. It just works best like this. So it's 
Like you need to be able to communicate that too. Exactly. You know, and why I love working with it in the corporate setting is we often spend so much of our lives, like with the people that we work with, Yeah. you know what I mean? And so when we start at that level to kind of give people permission to be who they are and like support them and kind of aligning with their design, like they're going to take that home with them. You know, they're going to take that home to their families and their friends. And like, it just ultimately is going to bring people more into alignment with who they are in all the ways. But like starting that in the workplace is so powerful. And like, you know, I managed a team recently with like, you know, I had generators, I had projectors, I had manifestors, I had like basically everybody and like just learning how to manage them all so differently was so cool, Yeah. you know, because it's just like, it really like, I think empowered people to do their thing. And the team was like super successful because of it. But like, if I had tried to apply like a blanket approach to how I worked with these people, it really would not have worked. Mm-hmm. And also there's a whole nother level of human design, which is too complicated to go into, but like you can actually really engineer teams based on human design. Wow. So you can actually look at groups of people and like know how to make them fully functional and like what are the people they need to bring in to actually make it successful. Wow. That's which that's, is crazy. Yeah. That's a game changer. <laughs> what about like the negative flip side of this of someone who's listening and is like, okay, well you could, you could use this as like a justification for, you know, why you're not able to like give answers right away or, you know, need more time on a project. Like could this be used in a negative way too? Yeah. I mean, I think that like, I've, I've seen it happen sometimes where people will just kind of use it as an excuse. Yeah, exactly. I think it's pretty obvious when that's happening. You know <laughs> what I mean? Because like, they're just like not being fully authentic and they're just like leaning on it. And I've done it too. You know, I've done that with my partner and he's like, what are you doing? You know, he's like, no, 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 that's like not. And I was like, oh God, you know, but I think that they're like, for example, my strategy is all about waiting for an invitation. So there are times where he's been like, you should really like reach out to yeah. this person. I'm like, no, no, I've got to like wait for them to come to me. But I'm like, there are some things I can do to like make myself more visible and be more active in that process. And so to me, I think it's very clear when someone's doing that. And so I definitely don't encourage people to kind of use it as an excuse or kind of like back away. But my sense is that like managers and people can really intuit when that's happening versus like when someone's like, you know what, this like feels exciting, but like, give me a couple of days to really make sure versus just like procrastinating and avoiding it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's the only thing about some of these, even like personality tests or things that are telling you kind of who you are is like people who want to could also use it as an excuse. But I, I do ultimately yeah. feel like you're right. It, that becomes probably obvious over time. And totally. our, and our last question before we move into the rapid fire questions is what was the last courageous act you made and what was the result or impact of that? You know, I had a really interesting process with human design because when I first started studying human design, I immediately started building a company around it with somebody who'd been studying it for a long time. I did that for a year and a half. And then I got pulled into another company to like help open these buildings. And it kind of took me away from human design. And like, I think, you know, recently I was like still tied to that other company and, and supporting there. And I like finally pulled myself out entirely so I could focus 100% of the time on human design. And I think like moments like that are always scary because I felt like I had tried to build a company around human design in 2016. And like, it was just like, walking through the mud. It was like, people were not ready for it yet. And so I didn't really totally trust that I could do it again. And then I think like when I started building my own company again, two years ago, and like, I started to see that people were ready for it. It just like required a lot of like courage and trust that like I could do this, even though I tried before. And I think that like the result of it is just like, you know, what we water really does grow. And so I think being able to focus like all of my energy on it. Like I've just seen the impact of that in such a big way. And I don't know how in the world I was ever doing two things. Um, (laughs) but I just think that like, it's really scary being an entrepreneur. It's like, even though like all the signs are pointing towards yes, it's still just like, there is uncertainty. And like, 
I think learning how to lean into that and just trust it and like know that I'm on the right path is like always a practice and it's always something I have to remind myself of. Yeah, a ditto, <laughs> very much a ditto. <laughs> For human design too, like, you know, you practice it, you studied it. I mean, there's not, I mean, there's not a certification for this, right? So like there are people out there who could say they're there human is. design experts and they're not. Totally. So there actually <laughs> is a certification, but I don't see many people going through that anymore. Okay. I think that like, I personally, like I studied independently for a year and a half with my former business partner and teacher. And then I went through two different certifications. So I went through the application of business one, and then I went through a traditional one, even though I didn't totally resonate with some of the teachers, it, it felt like the right approach to me to kind of just like invest in the institutions that were spreading the knowledge. But I will say that like, since it's become more popular, there are tons of people out there being like, offering readings and and calling themselves experts. And I think that like, I don't think it's bad, but I think that like human design does require some serious time to like really know how to talk about it in a simple way that makes sense to people. So there is a certification, but I feel like most of the people out there right now are just self-studying. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, let's move into rapid fire. These are less intense questions than uh, (laughs) you telling us our future. So your most recent splurge was? Well, I'm gone for two months from New York right now. And so I just like spent all my money buying all my facial products before I left. And like, I just (laughs) love good face stuff. And I, for some reason, like decided I needed to try a bajillion different things. So that was a big splurge. Yes, I understand that. Yeah, exactly. A ritual or practice you're committed to? I've been practicing Kundalini for a couple of years and did my teacher training. And so I think I always have a 40 day Kundalini practice. And that's just like so helpful for me to keep, keep me on track. If you haven't explored Kundalini, it's like a combination of yoga and mantra meditation is, and it's just like a wildly effective tool to kind of just like realign you and, and shift your state. I'm just uh, impressed that it's something that you've continued to do. I mean, this is the kind of the issue with all rituals or practices. Like you might do it for a little bit of time, but will you stick with it? Which is really consistency is the key there. 100%. Yes. What are you doing after this interview? Well, I'm currently in Mykonos, so it's 7.30 my time. So my partner is down at the beach. I'm going to go meet him um, and spend time with him. And I also recently, I like don't really watch much TV, but I watched Glee recently Cause I did a session for someone on the show and I was like, I'm curious what Glee's about. And I like totally fell in love with the show. <laughs> so I think that it's like, so the singing and the dancing is just like, it's inspiring so much in me. So I think we'll probably watch some Glee later as well. Yeah. Grease and Glee. That's your, that's your agenda. <laughs> um, it's not bad. Yes. Yeah. Not, not too bad. <laughs> Looking back, you would tell your younger self. I think that I would just encourage her to like get to know herself as much as possible, you know, from the first day. Cause I think that I did spend a lot of my life trying to be like the people around me and like, just like giving myself permission now to just be me has been so empowering. And so I think encouraging myself to kind of get to know myself from an early age and just like feeling that permission to follow what feels correct, even if it makes like literal no sense to anyone else around me. Yeah. I, I liked your advice earlier about, you know, if, if they would introduce human design at like colleges or high schools and or even middle schools my goodness middle school or even babies yeah or anything like like that the founder of human design was always like honestly this knowledge is for the kids like we can be introduced to this later on and use it to realign but like when we actually like parent according to this and give people permission to be who they are from day one it is so magical and so empowering yeah well thank you Erin Claire so much for joining us today where can people find you and and you know learn about this blueprint take their chart like all all the links because I'm sure they're going to be looking for them yes of course so my website is erinclairjones.com and my Instagram is erinclairjones as well and I do sessions but I also have this offer I mentioned earlier which is called blueprint and it's basically a 30 page PDF on your unique designs. That's a really good place to get started. And I'll I'll give you guys a discount code as well. 
Awesome. So we'll put all of those links and discount code, all that information in the show notes. Well, enjoy Grease and Glee. And thank you so much again for teaching all of us about human design. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on. Welcome back to our favorite segment of the episode. It's called Tough Questions. This is where Kayleen and I ask each other, you guessed it, tough questions about workplace politics, vulnerability, and personal challenges. And we'll also update you on what's happening behind the scenes at Career Contessa. So Kayleen, talk to us. What's your behind the scenes (laughs) news? We just wrote a cool uh, piece about being liked at work based on this book by Alicia Menendez called The Likeability Trap. Also, it's there was an article I saw on LinkedIn a couple months ago that was about this, and that kind of was the first flag. And I was like, yeah, uh, I think it's a really common problem with women. Um, yeah. Just the uh, – it's like an extra learning block because men don't really have to really care about people liking them. And there's like certain words people use, especially through the job hunting process – or the interview process where women will often say, oh, I'm also very likable, very personable, where that is like vocabulary that men don't even need to use. Yeah. Um, so it's this perception. I really related it to myself because I feel like I used to really, really, really care about, about people be- liking me. Yeah. yeah. And I used to really be drawn to people who were like outwardly very likable and like attracted people in very quickly as I got older. <laughs> older <laughs> I keep calling myself really old I'm not that <laughs> but no as I as I grew up I guess I just realized that that doesn't serve me and you have to realize your strengths as an introvert or or whatever what have you that if yeah. people don't like you right away then maybe they will down the line maybe they don't at yeah. the end of the day especially at work it doesn't it really doesn't affect you. Yeah. I also feel like sometimes the more you work to try to get someone to like you, the less Oof. they like you. So, and maybe that's something you learn after, you know, a few jobs where you're like that manager or that person just never liked me. It yeah. was better for me to just, you know, be straight and be myself with them or mm-hmm. versus kind of like cater too much to feel like being worried or like just all the time you spend worrying about like, Oh, that person doesn't like me. And like, how should I tiptoe around them? I don't know. And even though I feel like I did used to worry more about it, I feel like if I ever really like outwardly feel like someone doesn't like me, it's like a very New York reaction maybe to be like, well, I don't like you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There. Yeah. I feel like in my first few jobs, I didn't care necessarily about being liked. I I also feel like I was probably generally liked. So I probably Mm -hmm. just felt like I was like, oh, I can check that box off. But running Career Contessa and being like the boss and the CEO, like I definitely care more about being liked, but that's something that has not served me. Like I've had to learn to Mm -hmm. be very much like, no, you are the boss. You have to give them direction. You have to give them what they need to be successful. And whether they like you or not is sort of not in the equation. Would you like them to like you? Yeah, of course. And I, that's definitely been a challenge for me because when I was a manager before, it was a really small team. And then I had a boss. There was so much hierarchy before. And, and at Career Contessa, it's like the buck stops with me sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I've had like the opposite where like I didn't really care. And now I care. <laughs> and now I'm trying to not care as much. So it's that's interesting. Okay, so new in my world is, so I am doing some public speaking this fall. I'm speaking at a couple conferences. I'm really excited about, I'm going to be speaking at the Riveter Conference in New York. And so I've just been thinking about the presentations and public speaking. And I, a lot of people probably don't know this or wouldn't guess it, but like 
public speaking terrifies me. I do not <laughs> like it. It's not my jam. But I do a lot of stuff that terrifies me just because I'm like, you have to. Yeah. You just have to. And so I've been making the presentations, but then like practicing it. So I like practice it in the mirror. I practice uh, in my car. And I know this sounds really silly, but like all of that helps me not have all the the crazy ums and buffer mm-hmm. words. And if like the slideshow doesn't move quickly or what, not slideshows, like the, the PowerPoint doesn't move from slide to slide quickly enough. Like I'm not dependent on it. Like your tech jokes ready. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like the transitions, yeah, right? And like totally. I read once too, and then I wrote an article about this. Like if you get nervous about public speaking, you can tell your brain that that emotion is actually that you're really excited. So like your brain doesn't actually know the difference between like fear and excitement apparently. And so instead of being like, I'm really afraid of public speaking, I always try to start saying like, I'm really excited that I get to go to New York and give this workshop to a bunch of strangers. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I feel like my brain wouldn't accept that. Oh, my, my brain <laughs> has to accept this. This is why I start months earlier to get comfortable with it because, you know, I don't, I don't want to freeze up there. And like once I get going, it's yeah. fine. But yeah, like ever since I was a little kid, whenever I had to get up in front of a room to talk, my voice will like quiver for the first like few minutes. And then it's like, okay, we've kicked into gear, you know? So, so that's kind of humiliating. So yeah, just public speaking and, and just like the art of that. And when you see people who are really good public speakers, I'm just in awe. Like that is so cool. It's really cool. When I was in grade school, I think in like first or second grade, a kid would get invited every morning to tell a joke over the loudspeaker oh, in, the that sounds terrible. in the principal's office. And I submitted mine and, and got it. So I got to do it. I wish I remembered the joke, but it had uh, the word coyote in it. And I couldn't say coyote. <laughs> and I totally like, yeah, didn't, you, it didn't, didn't, didn't hit. Didn't hit. <laughs> didn't, didn't land well, the joke. Yeah, when you can't say, because it was definitely the punchline. It was like, just, you know, you're your uh, first grade like <laughs> what did the coyote say to that but anyway ever since then I think <laughs> like you've had like PTSD from yeah, that never again I haven't had like a terrible public speaking experience but I feel like I haven't had an amazing one right like I haven't <laughs> I haven't walked away being like I nailed that I'm gonna have a public speaking career but it's definitely something where I want to be good at it like yeah. I, I don't want anyone to ever feel like um, my delivery like took away from the message right because the message is usually a really good one so okay let's move into some tough questions this week and Kaylee I'll let you go first okay so you talked a lot about kind of the human design types I was curious and you said what you liked about yours but I was Mm -hmm. curious if there was any part of your type that you really didn't relate to So I'm a manifester and I I, like have started to research this a little bit. I like this kind of stuff too. So, you know, if you're not into like human design as like a way to learn about yourself, then this won't be your thing. So the way she described it, I thought like I pretty much fit it to a T. The one part where I was like, I probably actually do fit this to a T, but I wish I didn't was that we can lose focus really quickly. Like manifestors, because we are like idea generators and we like to start new stuff. It's definitely a challenge for me to not like jump from thing to thing. And part of it is like my day to day requires me to jump from thing to thing. But I mean, you know this at Career Contessa, I'll be like, oh shoot, I'm really sorry. I forgot to do this thing. So, and it's because I like left mid thought and went to something else. Mm -hmm. So I never finished like, putting that assignment in base camp or, you know, it will be like, oh, 
like yesterday when uh, you know the designer on the team like made a page for something and it was like oh actually we don't need that page and I realized I had like wasted her time designing and it's like because I jump from thing to thing sometimes and I do lose a little bit of focus and it's how I get my energy spikes to like you know do a lot of work in the mm -hmm. day but also like that's definitely something where she said that about manifestors and I was like that is that's definitely my biggest challenge like it's not losing focus and like finishing something before I start something new, but I get so worried that I'm going to forget the thing that popped yeah. in my head. <laughs> so like I could probably just get like a piece of paper and pen and it would solve a lot of that. <laughs> but you know, like then I would like lose my train of thought to go get the pen and paper. So mm, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not like, you know, 80, it's not like I'm jumpy like that. It's just the ability to like stay really focused on something for a long period of time and not lose interest in it. Mm -hmm. So that's something I, I, and I, I would say like, I know other founders who, and I think when you are in a job where it requires you to do that pros and cons to that, like the pro is that you're able to get like move from thing to thing and do a lot. The con is that, you know, you can't get addicted to like launching stuff. Like you, at some point you have to like stick with a strategy and do it for a while, yeah. you know, pros and cons. <laughs> <laughs> My question for you is, since you talked about likability is, have you ever really not liked someone at work? And of course I know you're not going to be talking about career contessa. Of course not. <laughs> it's a trick question. Cause of course everyone has probably. Yeah. Oh, of course. Maybe how like, have you ever addressed it with somebody at work? So I worked as a server for a while and in that environment, it's really clear to see who's, like, not pulling their weight and who is. And then that theme kind of continues, I guess, where if I feel like I'm sitting, like, I'm a person that thrives off of having a lot to do. Mm -hmm. And I, if I have a lot to do, and then that's kind of what was amazing about serving is it's busy, 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 you're doing this, doing this, right. never stopping. So if I perceive that someone is kind of just, like, lounging around and that's brought to my attention, then that is the type of person that really starts to irk me. And honestly, it's like none of my business and I should keep my head down. But that's been the, I guess that type of like, maybe like someone I perceive to be a little lazy or just not working up to their potential or like, because I'm someone who's like always excited to try something new to fill up my day. Like I can't stand sitting around. So that's the kind of person there's been <laughs> so there's there's been a there's few of been those, a few <laughs> of those. Um, that's the kind of person that that irks me yeah. or that like th there's also usually this other uh trait that those types of people have that when they do become like a little busy oh, I'm doing air quotes for no yeah. one to say when they do become like a little busier than they normally would be they're very vocal about yeah. how busy they are and that oh that drives me crazy you know that I'm so busy. <laughs> you're like, okay. Like, when you're busy, you literally have no time to yeah. take the moment to complain about it. So. Yeah. Where next week's episode, we talk about like the busy as a badge of honor and like why it's like yeah. bullshit basically. But um, <laughs> so you'll like that episode. Well, everyone don't mess with Kayleen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I uh, probably won't say anything. I'll just look at you. <laughs> yeah. Get back to my work. Hey, sometimes a look is enough. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. We, we really love hearing from you guys, and we'd love to know what you think about the addition of this segment of Tough Questions. So leave us a review and let us know. We'll be back next Tuesday with Bridget Schulte to discuss how we can decrease over and increase creativity as well as talk about business until then you can follow us on at the females podcast on instagram share this episode with your work wives and listen to this sneak peek of next week's episode a couple things that you can do is 
um, begin to kind of push back against the notion that being busy is being productive. Um, you know, kind of push back against the, those kind of like, it's, they're called mental models. If we have the mental model of the ideal worker as somebody who's like crazy busy and working late and sending emails at all hours of the night, begin pushing back on that and really focusing on the performance and the mission. It's like, well, wow, why did it take you so long to get this work done? <laughs> what made you so inefficient? How can we change that so you don't have to spend the night in the office next time? You know, kind of pushing back against the assumption that always on work actually leads to better work.